Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If you attended Sunday school as a child, or perhaps were an annual visitor to Vacation Bible School, then as the gospel was being read, you probably played a little song in your mind. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? Everybody here knows that. It's a wonderful little ditty, and it introduces us to Zacchaeus very well. He's short, he climbs up into a tree. Jesus sees him and says, and y'all can do this with me if you want, Zacchaeus, you come down. Come on, we need the proper gusto from all of y'all with the hand wagging. Zacchaeus, you come down. That's right, yes. Because Jesus was going to his house today. End of story, right? That's how the song ends. And when we tell the story that way, the story of Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus has all the hallmarks of a good encounter with Jesus. Jesus accepts the outcast, hated tax collector. He notices the small in stature and assures him he is noticed. However, when we tell the story like that, well-pleasing that it is, we miss the point that St. Luke is making about Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus is the main character in this episode, not Jesus. The first thing we need to notice about the story is the device that St. Luke uses throughout the gospel. And it centers on the status of people being higher or lower than someone else. It is a theme that is found throughout the book. Think about the Magnificat, the song of the Blessed Virgin Mary that she sings upon her arrival at the home of her cousin Elizabeth. He hath put down the mighty from their seat and hath exalted the humble and meek. Zacchaeus has attempted to exalt himself two ways. First, there is the sycamore tree that he climbs, literally putting him up and above the crowds. And second, as a tax collector, while he may be hated by his fellow countrymen, he has status. He is rich. He is above everyone else because he has made his money off of their backs. He has climbed up both tree and social ladder, thinking that this is the answer to life. The answer to being respected. But notice that the first thing Jesus says to him has nothing to do with his occupation or his wealth or even his height. It has to do with the ridiculous position that he's placed himself in. You can almost see Jesus saying, really now? A grown man climbing trees like a boy? No, no, no. Jesus, by telling Zacchaeus to come down from the tree, is not just a pretext for trying to wrangle an invitation to dinner from someone who might be the richest man in town, but, and for those of us hearing this story again, is a reminder that the mighty are cast down from their thrones, or in this case, told to climb out of a tree. There is a humbleness 
that is required for you to truly be exalted. When we end the story there, we miss the transformation, the point of the story in the first place. This is not a story about a small man having Jesus over to his house. Rather, this is the story of Jesus coming into someone's home, his dwelling place, and his very presence there in that intimate place changes the man completely. For a few moments, let us think not about Jesus and Zacchaeus, but instead think about butterflies, or actually the process of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. When the caterpillar enters the cocoon, a remarkable thing happens. He dissolves. If you were to slice open a cocoon during the process, you would not see this half-caterpillar, half-butterfly thing, but instead a bunch of ooze, a bunch of goo. The caterpillar literally melts away. And out of that goo, out of that dissolved ooze, comes the beautiful butterflies that we all enjoy seeing and watching. The only thing that remains of the caterpillar is the DNA. Other than that, it is an entirely new creature, a new creation. Zacchaeus takes on a transformation of the heart in a rather similar way. If you notice, and this does require careful reading, Zacchaeus doesn't say, I'll sell my possessions and give the proceeds to the poor. Rather, it is a giving away as a free gift, half of everything he owns. Imagine for a moment your own home. How many dining room chairs do you have? Six, eight, ten? Imagine the room with three or four or five instead. How many televisions do you have? How many cars? How many coats? How many pairs of shoes? And the list could go on and on until we are left with literally half of what we possess. But Zacchaeus doesn't stop there. Being a tax collector, he could excise money from the citizens of Jericho over and above the amount that the Romans had set as a tax rate. It was a completely arbitrary amount. And it helped him earn part of his commission. The more money he collected, even if it was over and above, well, that was more that he got to take home in his pay. But the remarkable thing is this. Zacchaeus doesn't say, I'll pay everyone what I defrauded them, dollar for dollar. No, Zacchaeus knows that more is required of him. In the Torah, the law of Moses, there are three passages that talk about what is to be done if someone commits fraud or takes property that doesn't belong to them. The most strict of the requirements is found in Exodus 22, just two chapters after the Ten Commandments. And it's there in Exodus 22 where the Lord commands that anyone who steals a sheep or an ox is to pay double the value back. 
in other passages about stealing property and maybe not knowing that it's stolen property, the repayment is one-fifth or 20% of the value. But here we have Zacchaeus vowing not a 20% return or a 100% return, but instead he vows to pay back four times as much, about double the amount that the law prescribes. Zacchaeus is so completely transformed by Jesus' very presence and recognition that his heart truly melts. It dissolves until it is reformed in the image that Christ calls us all to. Zacchaeus is the embodiment of the central call of the gospel. Remember that earlier in Luke, John the Baptist calls upon anyone who has two coats to give one away. Zacchaeus gives away half of his possessions. John the Baptist calls on soldiers and tax collectors not to extort or to use their exalted position to force money or goods from those beneath them. Zacchaeus here both repents and commits making a vow to prove his sincerity. Luke put this story just before the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, just before what we commemorate in Holy Week. Luke, and saying to us in the words of Jesus, this is what salvation looks like. This is the transformation of the heart the soul, the whole being that I desire. This is why I came, to restore the lost, to restore a son of Abraham. What does the story look like if we change the characters around for just a moment? What if Jesus found you attempting to exalt yourself, maybe perched in a tree, and said that he was coming to your house today? What would that transformation look like in your life? What are the possessions that you need to get rid of, need to give away, to make your home ready for the king? Whom do you need to reconcile with? Lavishing four times the amount of love as the hurt and pain that you have caused. Have you committed fraud? If so, how do you plan to pay the person or the company or perhaps even the government, how do you plan to pay them back? You see, Jesus both invites himself in and invites us to join him, to sup with him. But we must be transformed for that to happen. St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In a little while, we will confess our sins. And in a little while yet, we will come to where Jesus has invited us, to this altar, to this altar rail, to sup with him, to feed on him. Something I have been struggling with lately is what we mean when we invite people to come, or even when we come ourselves. We say things like, oh, come as you are. There's placards and signs everywhere that say, the Episcopal Church welcomes you. And we do mean that. Come as you are. We welcome you. And Jesus means it too. But that's only half the story. It's like reading up to the point of Jesus telling Zacchaeus to come down. We want you to come. And we want new people to come. And we want guests to come as they are. And to be changed. To be transformed. Living life as a different person. A better example of Christ's love. Come as you are. And be changed into who Jesus desires you to be. Come as you are. And become a living sacrifice in Christ. And to Christ. When you come as you are. And you allow yourself to be changed by the love of Christ and the urging of the Holy Spirit. That is when we all hear, today salvation has come to this house. For I have come to seek the lost, to restore the lost. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.